Seven Eleven wants to do what? Also today, breakfast with the Bombers. Wade Miller joined us. The team is getting ready to go. Kickoff regular season is on Friday, and they sent us a rather unique meal to try out, which makes its debut on Friday. Metallic flying orbs seen around the world are baffling NASA and the Pentagon. What's going on? The summer of concerts. What are bands looking for? What about fans? As we get back to pre-pandemic levels. And inspired by what might be happening at 7-Eleven, we asked you, what's the most unique spot where you've gotten a chance to enjoy a cold one? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, June 6th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And one of the first things that that I spotted when I cracked open my email this morning, we're going to be talking about this at length, it has to do with... An interesting situation at a 7-Eleven in uh, St. James. So we've been talking for years now about spaces, places where we could see alcohol sold in this province outside of liquor stores. And so this 7-Eleven on Ness has applied for a liquor license, but they don't want to sell it on the shelves or perhaps they do at some point, but that's not on the agenda right now. They're talking about dining liquor license so that you'd go there, sit down in the 7-Eleven with your... What's on the menu there? Hot dog, your potato wedges, your hot dogs, taquito? potato wedges, uh, taquitos, nachos, and order wine or the beer. The wings, uh, the pizzas, apparently not too bad. I mean, I mean, who doesn't walk into a Seven Eleven and say, "I wish I could spend more time here." I'm genuinely <laughs> curious about that. Who does walk into a Seven Eleven? This is no knock on Seven Elevens. That's a stopping point often for Slurpees in the summer and your snacks throughout the year. I get it. I uh, have have not. I cannot say I haven't eaten from their hot menu item before. I have. I don't know if I want to sit down and have a beer with a taquito in the Seven Eleven. Brett, you? I don't know. I guess I'd have to see the the floor map because you got to imagine there's a full redesign that would have to to occur Big time to do that. Because yeah, I've I've eaten the. I remember when I was a kid, they had great cheeseburgers, and I've eaten plenty of nacho, and used to do the two thirty a.m. hoagie. After going to the Oak in Transcona, I've had God knows how many Slurpees in my time. And, of course, there, there used to be the um, the healthy Saturday morning breakfast when they used to do the weekend news shift, which started at 3 a.m. So I'd be waking up at 1.30, and I'd stop at the 7-Eleven at Regent and Plessy, and I'd buy myself a bag of sour cream and bacon ruffles, uh, super Coke Slurpee. <laughs> Pack of smokes. Uh, so I've spent a lot of time and money at 7 Eleven over the years, but never did I ever think this would be part of the mix. Well, never did I imagine I might be able to get an electric Slurpee inside the 7 Eleven because <laughs> normally that chemistry was done outside. You mean like adding some, out? It's called an electric Slurpee. That's what we called it in the like West when you End. Put rum into your Slurpee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I, it, uh, on the public notices of the Liquor and Gaming Authority of Manitoba, they have this notice that the 7 Eleven's applying for this license to. to have a dining room with liquor. I don't know if that means you can grab a Slurpee and be like, just bring over a shot over here and throw in some rum and make it electric. But it, maybe it's on the menu of cocktails. Well, they've already done this in Alberta. They're doing it in Ontario as well. So this isn't brand new. What, what, this would be maybe the 14th or 15th in all of Canada. I was trying to count on their list of places on their own website. Yeah, it's a dozen at least. So uh, this would be interesting. And the good news is you'd finally be able to use the washroom at 7-Eleven. <laughs> they, would, they would have to have washrooms there. Yeah. So we'll have more on this to discuss through the morning, including at 6.30. We'll get a little more into this. And then at 6.45, we're going to tie it in with how you can win yourself some tickets for the Bombers on Friday. And speaking of the Bombers, we've got a couple of uh, items on the docket this morning. Of course, Tuesday means breakfast with the Bombers. Wade Miller will join us this morning. Some special halftime entertainment. And also, we'll talk about the pregame experience at the at, at IG Field. Because this has become a festival. Even on Friday night for a pregame, or pardon me, for a preseason game, the pregame festivities were in full effect. The amount of merchandise, the amount of jerseys, the amount of T-shirts, hat, every, hats that everybody wears. Like, like people are all in on the Blue Bombers. And it's just, 
you know, over the last several years, they've managed to parlay that on-field success into box office success. And it doesn't always necessarily match up. Uh, So I want to ask Wade Miller, like, uh, is there more you want to do? Because it's really spectacular. All right, so that's at 7.35, and then at 9.35, you've put together a feature, I think that was comprised of some stuff that you did for the game broadcast uh, on Friday. Yeah, so flag football is growing at an exponential rate across North America. It's the fastest growing sport on the continent. Manitoba has been a leader with regard to creating and building flag football, not only for boys, but also for girls, Loren. And so I want to talk about... I put together a feature that talks about the popularity and success of flag football in Manitoba and also women's football, women's and girls football, because Manitoba has also been a leader on that front. So we'll share that with you at 935 and ask a very important question. Steamboats or Mississippis? How did you count? Mississippis. Yeah, Mississippis. Did you ever do the steamboats thing or the Mississippis thing, Brad? Always Mississippis. Whenever I hear steamboat, I think of Ricky the Dragon (laughs) steamboat. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. I just did the Mississippi yesterday because the storm was rolling over our neighborhood and it moved right on, but you're doing the hang on, like the thunderclap and the lightning and the... On Mississippi. Oh, no, it's only it's eight kilometers away. Yeah, I don't the, know if that's a, like a thing. Well, then you could count the next one right. and then to figure out if and the storm's moving away or yeah. getting closer. Right. And the, so as Ross Geller on Friends might ask, do you count? Were you counting Mississippi? <laughs> anyway, we'll play that for you later on this morning. So that's coming up at 935. Also today, uh, we are going to visit with our favorite ufologist because NASA is kind of scratching their head over Flying orbs seen around the world. Yeah, NASA and the Pentagon. They've they've both said these are things. Like they're not denying that these metallic orbs that people are seeing exist. They just don't have enough information on what they might be. But we had the orbs earlier this year that were all the balloons that we were talking about that were flying over Canada and other parts of the world. And now these are metallic flying orbs, and and they're kind of stumped as to. Or saying they're stumped. I'm not so sure if they're not disclosing why would information. They, but why would they come public and say, publicly yes, say that they're stumped if if they weren't? I'm I'm trying to think two or three steps ahead on this one. I don't know because Be, I, because to me that doesn't make sense unless they're genuinely stumped. Because if I'm going to have a conspiracy theory about anything, it's going to be about unidentified flying objects. So that's where I'm going. Oh, yeah, but, I don't think you can call them. But that they're unidentified anymore. anomalous phenomena, UAPs. There it is. Not UFOs anymore. Oh, is it anomalous phenomena? I thought it was aerial phenomena. I don't know. I can't even figure that I out. I can't even pronounce that word. Unidentified <laughs> anomalous phenomena. Ah, jeez. Why do they got to change? Like, what's wrong with UFO? We're fine. I got to change it just to confuse the situation. And it's not that they're stumped. They know they, 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 what they're saying is that they that they're common. We see these UAPs all over the world, but why you might be seeing more of them? I don't know if more people are paying attention. Or... It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up in our next segment. We're going to tell you how you can win tickets for Friday's Bomber Game season opener, Hamilton Tiger Cats in town. And then after Global News at 7, Loren, crisis in East Africa. It's really incredible. When I went looking this morning, you know, there's a group, a humanitarian coalition that's banding charities together to try to raise money, to raise funds, to get to East Africa, where many countries are on the brink of famine. And when I was reading the different numbers this morning, we're talking millions of people with acute hunger issues to the point where the summer they're predicting based on everything that's going on with drought in some parts and floods and other that someone will die every 28 seconds in some parts of Sudan because they're starving, starved to death. So we'll get into what this group is trying to help with after seven and uh, the matching dollars that might make a difference. And then you throw in all the conflict that's happening in this part of the world. And, and you know that that interferes with the distribution of any aid that comes in that's concerning. And then, of course, the, the the disaster that is war in the first place. So the, this is uh, that's going to be a tough conversation after seven. So that's indeed at seven oh five. But right now, we want to discuss something a little bit closer to home as the province looks to expand the list of places alcohol will be sold. A new and some might argue unexpected player is looking to get into the booze game. So the Seven Eleven on Ness Avenue. That's three. 
8031NES, 3031NES, it's applied for a liquor license. And when, we, when you say unexpected, if you told me they were looking to just sell it off store shelves, I'd say that makes sense. There's all sorts of convenience stores in Alberta and Quebec where you can buy booze that way, but they aren't planning to sell alcohol that way. The public notice page on the Liquor Gaming and Cannabis Authority of Manitoba notes that the 7-Eleven there is asking for a dining room liquor service license. Now, I don't know any 7-Elevens with dining rooms, but I suppose they're looking to build one. It would be a restaurant of sorts at this location, Greg, where you'd get your wings or whatever and then order a beer or wine. I don't know. Could I have my Twizzlers and a beer or wine? Like, I'm not really sure how this goes down. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) That's <laughs> a straw, of course. Yeah, I don't know what the threshold is. We're learning more about that. But it wouldn't be a first for 7-Eleven. In December, Global News Ontario had a story about a restaurant in Leamington, Ontario, serving beer, wine, and coolers with its wings and potato wedges. And there are a lot of people, like 7-Eleven has become a very popular place to stop and get food. They're, like during they're the day? Like yes. I only know it for when the, I was 2 a.m. after the bar. Well, that's sort of how it started. <laughs> if you're at Houston's and Brandon and yes. then the 7-Eleven's up the street, you might be getting yourself some potato wedges with some little creamy ranch <laughs> on the side. Well, I suspect this is a popular uh, situation, a common situation across the country. And then there's also a second Ontario location, Um uh, that's so Le- the second one, right? Leamington in Leamington? And Niagara Falls, I think I saw okay. this morning. Yep. Okay. And then in Alberta, there are 11 7 Elevens, including I think four in Edmonton and then around Alberta selling booze. And as part of the liquor license, they uh, also deliver alcohol if you order food with them, which is like it is in many provinces across Canada. Where restaurants, if you order food from them, they can also deliver you alcohol. So this isn't uncommon. What is uncommon in my mind is this idea of going to 7-Eleven and then there's, oh my goodness, there's a cafe there or a place to sit down. And Brett, I was thinking of you immediately, not because of the (laughs) 7-Eleven, but because of Taco Bell and what Taco Bell has done in major cities across the United States. You I think can get alcohol at Taco Bell? In cantina. some of these cantinas, yeah. They are like, uh, I took the boys to one in Phoenix last summer. The first one that I ever saw was in Vegas, of course. Mm-hmm. But they've proliferated throughout major cities in the U.S. where you can get your Taco Bell and also uh, get some get some alcohol with uh with with your meal, yeah, I visited the the Taco Bell Cantina the last time I was in Vegas in 2018, and it was certainly not not like any Taco Bell I'd ever been in. I felt more like I was walking into a nightclub. They were playing loud music. Oh, you it was could very, barely talk. You could barely hear yourself think. Yeah, it was very much a, a party atmosphere, and uh, I still got so it was weird just sitting there enjoying your your fast food. But then it felt more like you were in a lounge kind of environment. So I'm having a tough time wrapping my brain around what a 7-Eleven could look like in this kind of a scenario. And why why that location, first of all? It's just, I don't know. Sturgeon and Ness? Yeah. Yeah, Like not like there's any uh, nightclubs or anything around there. But maybe it's just... I my first reaction was well they've got a ton of room there yeah like it's a big physic physically it's a big location but it's also got a, a lot of property there okay so that might be why that location in particular is attractive to to pull off this uh, first of its kind uh, store in Manitoba that was my thought like a good right. testing ground good testing ground yeah okay I'm looking at a story from when Ontario added booze to its 7-Elevens, two of its 7-Elevens. And, and the quote from 7-Eleven was, the alcoholic drinks would complement its push into fresh and hot food. Yeah. And I don't know about the fresh part. I'm trying to figure out what they make fresh there. Is it not just those? I, I need to go back into a 7-Eleven because I'm just thinking of those rolling hot pipes mm-hmm. with the hot dogs on it and the taquitos. That's not fresh? But the, well, it's, it heat, heats it up, I suppose. I was being sarcastic. Oh, and then I guess there's pizza they'd make. They also said they do kebabs yeah. and chicken sandwiches. And yeah, they've got all kinds of food I, that you I, can I order. I need to pay more attention. I did not know. Yeah. Like the chicken, like the chicken would be made there. Oh well, Jane, I don't know where I suppose it's getting paid. Hey, well, but- depending on okay, I know I don't know how many locations have this, but once I don't, I don't know if they still do because it's been many years since I've had it. But the Seven Eleven at Regent and Day offered fried chicken and it, I think it was Chester chicken. I believe that was the brand and it was awesome. 
And uh, so, like, if we ever, if I ever did like a transcona pub crawl with the boys, we'd end up at inevitably at that Seven Eleven to get fried chicken and potato wedges afterwards. But it's the only one that I know about. But that's I, I haven't visited every Seven Eleven in in all of Winnipeg. But I even I think all of them have the pizza and all those whole bunch of. I remember going into the one on Court and and the guy was pulling out this pizza and throwing it in this little oven behind the counter. I'm like. My gosh, these 7-Eleven clerks work hard. Yeah, they do work hard. Once they added all that extra stuff, it's like they're already working their butts off, and now they got to do deal with all this extra food. I mean, good for them. Uh, and I guess, and everybody always says, oh, the food's actually really good. I thought, okay, they've got their own branded potato chips and stuff, I think. Like, they've really sort of pushed their own brand. They have, and this is sort of contrary to what we've seen in, from 7-Eleven in this marketplace over the last five or six years, because we've seen a lot of 7-Elevens close. I can think of at least three off yeah, the, the top of my head. Yeah, like one of the busiest locations. Or change their hours or, or adjust their practices correct. with doors and whatnot just exactly. because of security and crime. Yeah, so, so now you throw booze into it, though? I don't know if that's going to help. Well, maybe there's, hey... If you're not, if you're not changing, you're dying. And that's, and that's the, the mantra in business. So they're giving this a try. They're giving it a go. It seems to be working elsewhere. So why shouldn't Manitoba get in on the action? The num- I think it'll be fascinating. Number one question on the text line. Yep. Will the reboos with the Slurpees? <laughs> that was the first joke we all made this morning as Greg put it, pointed it. What'd you call it earlier? The electric? Yeah, the electric uh, Slurpee. And how long before you'd be able to get a ice cold beer with your Royale with cheese? At McDonald's, if this you oh. know, if this gets approved. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder that we've got our next Country Fest code word of the day coming up just after 7.15. A chance to win yourself some passes, some three-day passes for Dolphins Country Fest happening June 30th to July 2nd. That's coming up just after 7.15. But right now we've got tickets to give away where we're going to tell you how you can win the tickets for Friday's game. IG Field, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Hamilton Tiger Cats season opener. And it has to do with what we were just talking about. This 7-Eleven on Ness at Sturgeon is applying for a liquor license, a dining liquor license. And we are going to ask you now, what's the most unique place where you had a cold beverage? Whether it was just a weird, strange place, or perhaps it was a lovely locale on a vacation, or maybe just a hidden gem right here in Manitoba you did not know existed. 204-780-6868. Let's go around the horn here. Cam, I know that you've had some adventures in Europe, for example. What you got for us? Uh, well, I had this exactly right. I mean, the verse stand in Vienna, you go, oh, would you like some uh, vice wine with that? Oh, absolutely, I would. I love, I'm a total uh, white wine snob, and I love Austrian white wine. And you just, you're sitting there, you're having, your, you're having your hot dog. <laughs> You grab yourself a little glass of white wine. And Austrian tastes- white wine is good? Oh, it's the best off the Volga River. Are you crazy? The Danube? Give me a break. I mean the Danube, not the Volga. It's nowhere near there. But um, there's vineyards in Vienna, uh, white wine, and it's the best. And you just get it at the at the hot dog stand. It's awesome. I feel like a weird sense of home. My, 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 my family wow. is from is from, uh, from Austria. Um, uh, way way back in their are ex hutterites and stuff like that, but I, I feel like a weird sense of a home kinship. in Austria. Yes, yeah, Austria is one of the most consistently reliable wine countries, delivering yes. beautifully clean, never had this fresh oh. whites time and time again. It, it's so as well good, as supple, soft. Elegant reds. Oh, well, oh, I, wow. I, I'm a I'm a white wine guy when I'm there. I don't like white wine really anywhere else, but when I'm there, and you just get it at the stand, and it's just it's like, of course, I'll just have a couple of this, and there's just it's just easy, and the beer you, there is fantastic. Do they sell Austrian wine here? Uh, yeah, but it's just not the same. Yeah. They, they send us the crap, and they keep the good stuff for themselves. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, Croatia makes great wine too, but they don't export. Yeah, b- barely any. Why would they? They yeah. don't want to ruin it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Well, even uh, Georgian wine. Uh, not not the state, but the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you can buy it in store, but they've got that restaurant on Cordon, and uh, yeah, some of the best wine I've ever had is there. So apparently, they're they're climb. We talked about this with our sommelier friend Chris, and he he said the climate there allows them to create some of the best wine year round. I don't know. That's something else. I don't yeah. get it. 
But that's cool. Austrian white wine and a hot dog. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, mine's right here in Winnipeg. The Amsterdam Tea Room. When I discovered that, I thought that was so neat, just infusing cocktails with tea. I'm a big tea connoisseur, so that was right up my alley. I had this nice, like, peach one, I think it was. Uh, I have to go there this summer again, for sure. You're a tea connoisseur. You're mm-hmm. a white wine person. All <laughs> only these things Austrian this white morning. wine, <laughs> only, and only when I'm there, but I love it. But are you taking tea with alcohol or just tea? Not normally with alcohol, <laughs> only at the Amsterdam Tea Room. But yeah, I don't know how they do it. It just tastes so good. You'd have to have to check Sarah's like coffee cup every morning now. Guys, no. I, got a, I got so many stops to make. I got some potato wedges and chicken at 7-Eleven, which apparently I've been missing out. Well, and then I, was, I get I was, some Austrian wine and I was some talking tea. to Sarah before he comes in, but says, uh, uh, besides CJOB, oh where's gosh. the weirdest place that you've had a drink? <laughs> totally, totally joking. I was just teasing her. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, I'm with Ted Lasso on the tea. Just garbage water. It's, oh. it's got to be a joke, right? As he yeah. says. Awful, awful stuff. Um, But I'm glad you enjoy it, Sarah. More for you. Uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? Yeah, I've talked about this before, uh, just because I was back there in January, but uh, the San Antonio Riverwalk, it's absolutely beautiful. You can walk around, grab a drink, and walk around with your drink. And the Riverwalk's so beautiful, and uh, they have these little vendors, and uh, the guy go up to him, and he's like, hey, I asked him, can I get a margarita? And he goes, make you a special one. Man, that thing was strong. And I had a great time. San Antonio. Are you sure you had a good time? Do you remember? Oh, I remember. A good time? Right. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Mackling, what about you? Well, I sent you guys a picture this morning. Uh, the best beer, bar none, that I've ever had was in Croatia, just outside the walls of the of the fort in Dubrovnik, on the on the basically on the steep rocks outside the fort overlooking the Adriatic. It's a place called the Malabuza Bar and uh, had uh, oh, at least one. Uh, but I don't know how to pronounce the, the, the beer. Do you know how to pronounce that? Boitra? Hold on, let me see. This one here, OZ. OZ. Uh, Jutsko? Yeah, it was Jutsko. Very, very good. Most yeah. popular uh, beer in, Probably in Croatia. It doesn't mean it's the best beer in Croatia. It's just the most popular and the view was second to none. I met a gentleman named Angel from Barcelona, and we had a fantastic uh, chat and visit and several uh, several cold beverages. It was an afternoon to never forget. They sound like they went down pretty easy. They went down very <laughs> easy. <laughs> I mean, the one beer that course, I had yeah. was went down very easy. And Loren, what about you? It's uh, there's so many places because it's. It, I I don't ever know if, if I went back with the beer taste that good. Or is it just the moment and the company and the view, right? And you're sitting there and depending on where you are, it could be the lake, it could be your backyard, just that aha. But I always think of this place. Um, My sister graduated from university in London and we went over for her graduation and then we did this side trip to Czech Republic and we... Uh, you're on vacation and you know sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation because you've been seeing so much and so we went to this place called Cowboys which was steak like a steakhouse in Czech Republic which we could do in Winnipeg but it had the view of the old city and the beer I don't even remember the name of the beer it was a green bottle and it was just a hot day and we stayed there for hours hours and hours and it was just I've often thought we should go back that should be a family trip to go back but I don't think it would be the same again well, here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Inspired by the 7-Eleven on Ness at Sturgeon that has applied for a liquor license. What's the most unique place where you have enjoyed a cold beverage, whether it's right here in Manitoba or perhaps somewhere on vacation? Dennis Cave weighing in saying, hey, can you imagine telling future generations your dad got down on one knee at the local 7-Eleven and proposed over the hoagie we were sharing? Brings to mind, is it white or red with a hoagie? Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators, investing in your future together. Now, we are just three sleeps, three sleeps from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2023 season opener at IG Field. The Blue Bombers will host Bull Levi Mitchell. That sort of feels odd saying that. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Last night, Derek Taylor and head coach Mike O'Shea kicked off the season with the first coach's show of the year. How does it feel that the, the regular season is now upon us? Uh, it's good. I mean, training camp 
you like it when it starts, and then there's a point where you're like, okay, things are humming along nicely, and you get to the end, and you want it over with. I suspect if you don't love football, you're going to find that quickly, you, you, you know what, this might not be for me. Uh, well, every year it's not for someone. <laughs> Wade no Miller. A Yogi Bearism there from, from Mike O'Shea. Not for someone. Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. How are you guys? We're good. We asked the question of Mike O'Shea last night about how ready he is for the regular season, and he's in a good spot. How are you feeling about Friday? Oh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, last week was a great uh, great game in the stadium here, a great atmosphere, and uh, you know that's what you train for as athletes uh, and football players is get through training camp and time to play. Are you the guy walking around with like a checkboard and a list in the lead up to game day, knocking things off, Wade? Yeah, no, I'm not a checkboard and list people. We got a great team here that have done this for a lot of years, and you know we're ready uh, to have our fans here for the home opener and the Princess Tailgate uh, area opens at 5:30, and uh, it looks great out there, and it's just a great time, and uh, you know can't wait for Friday night. Wait, the, the game day experience at IG Field has become extremely festival-like in, in my view. For those that haven't come to the stadium early for a game or haven't been for a bit, talk about what goes on at the stadium pre-game and, and what, you've, what you've built over the last three or four seasons at IG Field. Yeah, so it starts in that tailgate area like we just talked about at 5.30. There's the beers at $5, uh, hot dogs, uh, drinks at three fifty. Uh, adding, uh, you know, great hamburgers, barbecue out there. And this year adding uh, half a rack of ribs out there as well for, for people to be able to purchase. Um, and that area has a great DJ out there, great atmosphere, great area for kids uh, and, you know, a ton of different inflatables for all the kids to come and enjoy prior to the game. And, uh, and then, you know, be out there with all the bomber fans, go into the stadium, you know, new this year, we've got a new, uh, augmented reality or augmented uh, camera that you know you can stand there and choose which pose you want and the players come in behind you in the stadium so uh, that'll be something that people will want to do throughout the year as well and uh, some new activations with uh, play now throughout the stadium just giveaways uh, just for uh, you know doing an activity so it's just a great uh, experience but our fans make the game and, and and you know it's the CFL's last fans and you sure heard that last Friday and this Friday will be even louder when, uh, you know, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and the Thai Cats come here, which is, like you said, a little different uh, seeing him in a different uniform. And we understand as well, Wade, that there will be some rather special halftime entertainment. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, very happy to have Manitoba's own Darcy Oak, uh, the illusionist, uh, perform in halftime. So that's going to be a great, uh, a great um Illusion he does, and I think, uh, you know, first time at IG Field, uh, and we're going to, you know, all uh, have to stay in our seats at halftime. So even people in the Rum Hut area may even look onto the field uh, during that period of time. <laughs> I think you're optimistic there, but it just might happen. I'll be watching for that, Wade. Uh, later this morning, we're going to run a feature which focuses on the success of flag and women's and girls football in our province. And I put together this feature last week and both organizations told us that they firmly believe the success and popularity of the blue bombers has helped grow the game. The roster composition with local players has helped grow the game. Has the number of Manitobans participating in football impacted the growth growth of the fan base? Yeah, I think they're uh, both uh, connected. Uh, success of the Bombers uh, increases kids that want to play football. And then, uh, you know, I think there's more of the fans that are coming that are football players. And, and we're really um, committed to growing the game of football, both tackle and, and flag in our province. And, you know, I've seen some great success working with all the community partners and the different clubs and the different organizations uh, at the different levels. And, and it's just great to see the growth of uh, amateur football, um, which is which is actually part of the mandate of the Winnipeg Football Club when it was established in 1930 to be the professional football team in town, but also to promote and grow amateur football. So we take that very seriously and uh, really happy with where that growth is and still an opportunity for kids to sign up to play tackle football. Um, and if you can't afford it, uh, the football club uh, with Bell MTS is paying for up to 100 kids to play uh, tackle football this year as well. 
How's that compared to when you were growing up, Wade? Because I'd like to think the more kids just see the game being played, too, the more they're influenced, right? The more it gets talked about at school. And, and when you when you were when you were growing up, what was it like? What was the difference? Yeah, I think uh, I mean it was strong then, but I think it's uh, now the the you know flag gives the opportunity mm-hmm. for for kids to get involved at a younger age in football, experience football without worried about getting hit. Even though when you get hit with equipment, it doesn't hurt. Um, you know, so we'll put the equipment on you guys anytime. We'll show you. We'll get Big Gil to hit you. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Okay, Is this well, before or after I sing the national it. anthem? Before or after I sing "Oh Canada" at the field, Wade? Oh well, I, I actually didn't know that that <laughs> something you wanted to do. Have we talked about that? Oh, before? we've talked about it. You just things I ask for that you ignore. I'm putting it on my oh, list. Okay. <laughs> That's a long list. I think we're getting to now. So. I'd be suppressing that request, also, Wade, not to give you any direction. But when we were growing up, you know, the players were so like they are now, so accessible, and the Bombers were winning in the early 80s and into the you know into the late 80s into 1990 and i think that had a huge impact on the popularity of the game back then yeah well, for sure and if you look at our uh, junior bomber skills camp and blue bomber futures that we had this year uh camps to you know um that is basically into introductory to football in the spring we had over a thousand kids attend those programs so uh completely agree with you and there's a uh, you know, huge momentum. And, and, you know, the other thing about playing football, tackle football for youth is it's a very affordable sport, $400. That's all your equipment, helmet all the way down. Uh, so when you look at those types of things, it's affordable and it's truly the team sport. There's not a, another sport that is not truly team. And, you know, there's a position for everybody on the field, no matter your size, which, which makes it very unique as well. All right. And before we let you go, Wade, I've, you know, I, I hear this observation often from various uh, obs- various people from different walks of life saying that Winnipeg, while it loves its hockey, Winnipeg is a football town. And I notice this almost everywhere I go. doesn't matter what age somebody is, what gender they are. They're talking about the Bombers. And I'm wondering, does that make it hard for you to just like go to the store or sit down in a restaurant without people coming up and saying, Hey, Wade, uh, why don't you try this for the, in the next game? Where, what do you think of this? No, I have it. I, I, I love every one of those interactions in the city. Uh, you're right. This is a, a, a football town and football province. And, uh, you know, it, it's something special to uh, be a part of and, and you just see it and, and the, you know, energy that is around this team and, uh, and in our community, it's just fantastic to be a part of it. And did you guys get your yard dog yet today? Oh, a yard yeah. dog. Oh, the look is? on Loren's face just started glowing. We haven't gotten them yet. Usually, right after we finish the segment, Wade, one of your lovely staff members is bringing up something for us. And if it's okay. a yard dog, so, I, I will. So this this game this Friday, okay. we are serving a foot long, uh, sorry, a yard hot dog. Three so feet long? Yard. Yeah, so so you guys may want to cut it up today. I don't think one person should eat it, but, you know. Mm, I'm not sure you know who you're speaking with, Wade. <laughs> thought you knew better than that. So, anyways, <clears throat> enjoy the game, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a great, uh, great night, Friday night, and, uh, you know, make sure, you know, we're loud in the stands and show the rest of uh, Canada uh, where, you know, where CFL football is uh, the loudest. Wade Miller, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. Thank you very much for the time, sir. Thanks. Have a good day. Mysterious metallic orbs have been spotted flying in numerous locations around the world, but officials from both NASA and the Pentagon are still without answers as to what they are. So whenever we have questions about uh, unidentified flying objects, we go to our local UFO expert and we say hello to Winnipeg's Chris Rutkowski, author of nine books on the subject, including his most recent Canada's UFOs Declassified, published just last year. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. So we got to start with the term UFO. Brett and I at least have a beef with that because the Americans we read, they now categorize them as unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, or UAPs. Which is it? Is Canada, do we have a line here in Canada? Actually, in Canada, there's still UFO. According Good. to Transport Canada, the pilots are still uh, required to make incident reports calling them UFOs. But who cares what they do elsewhere, right? 
Couldn't agree more with you, Chris. Uh, so what's going on here? Like, I always get a little bit nervous when NASA and the Pentagon get together, do a press, press conference and go, yeah, we're not exactly sure what this is. Well, you know, the Pentagon uh, uh, representative was at this NASA briefing last week. And during it, he showed a couple of videos and talked about in generalities about what was being seen around the world. And one of the most common things were these metallic spheres, uh, round objects that are seen sometimes on video, sometimes by uh, by people themselves. Um, and, you know, he did say also that, you know, somewhere only around three or four percent are what they call truly anomalous, you know, the ones that we really can't explain. Because, uh, you know, we can explain the vast majority of what's being reported out there. But there are a number of cases that, you know, just simply make you scratch your head. We have no idea what these things are. So these, those things are being seen. They're being seen by the average person on the street, but also by pilots or traffic controllers and sometimes even by technicians on military flights. So when you can confirm what they are, when you can figure out what, what they are, like what kinds of things would would be maybe called in as a UFO and then you're able to say, oh, no, that was such and such? Well, as a matter of fact, um, just last night, Transport Canada issued a uh, incident report of something that was seen over uh, kind of uh, Annapolis, uh, over Nova Scotia, by a pilot flying uh, at about 41,000 feet and reported seeing uh, some sort of object that he thought might have been a balloon as a round object, um, which he thought was a little bit higher than his plane. So, you know, in that instance, it's very possible it could have been a balloon. And then uh, we also just received a report from Athabasca uh, in Alberta of somebody who had seen something 15 feet in diameter with flashing lights that does not sound like a balloon. But we're, we're waiting to hear more information about that one. So there's a variety of things that could have explanations that are fairly simple and then others that, you know, we just don't have enough information or we simply aren't sure what exactly what was reported. It feels like we're, I don't know if we're seeing more of them. I know that that we've had some pretty big years in terms of sightings, Chris, over the past two or three years. Or are more people just, I know we're not looking for them, but maybe more aware or sharing more on social media. And so it feels like sightings are up. Um, actually, we're about average with last year, which was slightly down. But you know what? Interest is really up. As a matter of fact, your comment about social media is exactly right. Social media exploded yesterday, actually, uh, because uh, somebody used to be with the Pentagon's UF, uh, UF, UAP task force um, uh, came out as a whistleblower. He says that the, uh, the, the uh, American government actually does have crash saucers and bodies of the crashed alien pilots. And he was uh, told to shut up about it. But uh, he's, he's actually coming out and, and uh, is saying, uh, you know, he actually saw some of the documents and heard from some people that say it's true. And, and so, you know, social media is great for uh, expanding upon this. So it's, it's really going all over the place. So people really have a strong interest in this. And whether you're a conspiracy theorist and think the government's covering up, by the way, the Pentagon says that uh, they still haven't got anything rebutting this guy. But, you know, is it true? We don't know. But and it certainly is the type of thing that drives uh, people's imaginations. Well, more places to tell your stories and plain and simply cameras everywhere as well. Right, Chris? Dash cams, doorbell cams. Uh, everybody's got a camera in their pocket. If not one, they've got two cameras in their pockets. And and so that, that has to be adding to our inventory of images that were being captured. Well, it's, it's true that we certainly are getting more uh, photos. And in fact, I would have to say that at least a third to a half of all the reports we get now uh, are accompanied by videos or or still photos from people's cell phone cameras. But, you know, your cell phone camera is really good for taking photos of, oh, cats, but really lousy at taking photos of, of lights and objects moving in the sky. In fact, the, uh, the typical uh, UFO or UAP video we get is sort of a blank black screen with a tiny, tiny dot of light moving around in it that you really can't make out heads or tails of anything. So the good news is, yes, we're getting more videos and photos, but the bad news is they're not necessarily of the quality that we really need to evaluate. Winnipeg's Chris Rutkowski, author of nine books on the subject of UFOs, including his most recent Canada's UFOs Declassified, published just last year. Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And you can read more on this story at globalnews.ca. And here's another uh, one that I just wanted to bounce off you here. Let's call it a UBP, unusual basketball phenomenon. I see the Winnipeg Sea Bears today <laughs> are playing at one o'clock in the afternoon. 
Vancouver Bandits host Winnipeg Sea Bears in Tuesday matinee. That's got me scratching my head like on a weekday afternoon. Must be a school outing for the kids in Vancouver. But the good thing is that it will be a nationally televised event. It's going to be on TSN. Well, how about that? So if you want to see the Sea Bears at one o'clock this afternoon. I happen to be not working at that point. <laughs> you probably have things to do, but you know, I you could, could, probably, I could maybe <laughs> shuffle some things around. I think we might need to apologize in case it sounds like we are or were eating because the delivery has arrived as promised by Wade Miller uh, just about 45 minutes ago. New this week at IG Field, the Yard Dog. And uh, Greg, you came in with three of these things yes. to distribute amongst the station. It looked like you were looked, looked like something you would carry around in a gym. Yeah, it was like weightlifting uh, with these uh, three. Now, the box is 36 inches long. The... The yard dog is 32 inches long. So I just want, it's not a, a full yard. It's 32 inches. It's topped with pierogi bites, sour cream, ghee, uh, green onions, and bacon bits. You'll be able to get these yard dogs at the concession at section 125 for $45. And before I opened it, I was like, okay, this will be interesting. You open it and it's spectacular. In terms of its presentation, and so this would be fun to take on with a group. Yes, it's perfect for a group because you get your little, it's already sliced, a little section you can just take. Oh, no, we had to cut it up. Oh, did you? It was sliced Mm -hmm. so evenly. Mm -hmm. Brett McGarry's very good with the math. Oh, you have a second career at hand. I'm going to (laughs) call Wade and say you're available Friday to cut up some yard dogs. Yard dog slicing. Yeah, 45 bucks (laughs) might seem expensive, but yeah, this one's going to feed at least six people. Um, And it's super good. So thank you to the Bombers for sharing that with us. And I'm just in the process of pumping out some video on our uh, 680CJOB Instagram story. If you'd like to see it, it's a lot of fun. But let's move from the stadium to other venues because just what here's a great example of who's coming to Winnipeg. Nickelback is coming to Winnipeg in just a couple of weeks, followed by country singer John Party in July. We know we have the Chicks, Bruce Springsteen, Springsteen 50 Cent, Shania Twain, Kiss, they're all playing at the Canada Life Centre over the next few months. And then if you go to the Burton Cummings Theatre, its lineup has Amanda Marshall this month, Glass Tiger, Cheap Trick. They're part of the summer lineup. And that, I think, safe to say, Greg, attracts people from across the province here, maybe even from outside the province. And, of course, Manitobans might also be making trips elsewhere to see some of their favourite acts. Well, if Bruce Springsteen hadn't been coming to Winnipeg, In November, I was determined to see him somewhere else because you never know, he may not tour again. Pink is playing Fargo in August, and you've never seen the hotel prices in Fargo this high around around this Pink concert coming up in August. People, after a couple of years of pent-up demand, seem to be willing to travel far and wide to see some of their favorite acts. Ruben Ramalero is the director of live entertainment, True North Sports and Entertainment. Ruben, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. So we're seeing uh, acts like Taylor Swift uh, just uh, at the top of my head here. Like they're saying going to gross over a billion, a billion dollars with this tour that she's doing right now. What is true North sports and entertainment hearing from performers considering Winnipeg as a venue? I mean, live entertainment is back to pre-pandemic status. You know, I think our calendar is fuller than ever before. You know, the arena, it's almost, difficult to get dates up sometimes when you look between the hockey schedule, the moose schedule, and then basketball. And then we've got some really great acts coming up this fall. Like you mentioned, Kiss, uh, Shania Twain is coming back for a second time this year alone, just because of the demand. And so that's, oh, so she, that second show was a return because of demand was so huge for the first one. Absolutely. I mean, the the show did so well on the on sale that when they were planning the rest of the tour, uh, they made sure to say, hey, let's come back to some of these markets. So she's revisiting some of Western Canada for the second time this fall. So in terms of just overall asks for concert space, you mentioned that it can be tough to get dates for Canada Life Center. But like, what about, you know, requests for concert space at places like Canada Life, Burton Cummings Theatre or other? You know, again, it's, we're really happy to have events 
back and you know the calendar is full we're doing we're looking at about 100 dates a year at the theater alone you know we've even gone out into the outside to bring the bird block party just because there were so many artists that needed higher capacity and you know what a better way than to have an outdoor fun concert series what are you hearing from fans then ruben in terms of you know how are the concerts selling because we talk about this pent-up demand People going places, people coming here. What are you hearing from concert goers in terms of what they want, they what they want to see, what how much they'd be willing to pay? I mean, concerts are exceeding expectations right now. I'm, you know, Nickelback coming up in a few weeks. Uh, it's coming close to a cello. It's, uh, you know, more people than the last time they came through. Same with Kiss. You know, Kiss is coming back this fall as well. And again, some of the highest numbers we've seen for Kiss in a long time. So, you definitely see people taking the chance to catch their favorite artists while they can. Ruben, one thing we've seen uh, in particular in larger cities across the United States is this idea of these uh, mini residencies where where these big acts will go, say, to Los Angeles and they'll play 10, 11, 12 shows in Los Angeles. Or Taylor Swift has done a, a couple of uh, nights or three nights in New York and a couple other stadiums. And the idea is, you know, you come to us as opposed to us going to 40, 50, 60 cities. We'll do 12, 13, 14 cities. Do you think that's going to be an increase trend the idea of, of of the of people going to the tour versus the tour coming to them uh, that's a great question I mean you know the ability to do those in the large markets happen just because of the ease right you have your crew and artists that aren't that far away like if they need to go home they can they can travel there and back um, of course you know in capacity right some of those are the largest stadiums you know throughout the u.s and you see the demand they've sold out so why not just put it out there and again and, and people seem to be interested in traveling i mean we get travelers uh to both the arena and the theater because winnipeg punches above its weight class people want to see shows that they're not getting in saskatoon or regina or even fargo so they make their way up here to see the artists I wondered about Americans, uh, Ruben, because also the dollar, right? I mean, it's not working in our favor, but I'm curious what you do see and hear from Americans coming to Winnipeg. I mean, that's some of our biggest competition is that with the exchange rate so high, you know, you're getting um, artists getting the same amount of money to play, you know, but Montana versus Winnipeg. So sometimes when they're routing the tour and they're coming through Edmonton or Calgary, they decide to get back south versus coming across to come play to Winnipeg. But, you know, we try our hardest. We we always put our best foot forward in attracting uh, great artists and putting out good offers. And uh, we've been succeeding lately, so happy to see that continue. In fact, just posted uh, to uh, cgob.com, globalnews.ca. Here's the headline, acclaimed progressive metal band Tool returns to Winnipeg this fall. That just announced in the in the last little bit. They're coming uh, to Winnipeg October 29th as part of a six-week North American tour. So th- that was, you know, sort of a, a makeup tour, right, for COVID times. So, you know, that's that's the other, uh, I guess, wild card in this conversation is, is bands who wanted to tour two and three years ago are, are, are doing it now. Yeah, Tool is a, a great example. Sadly, it was one that got postponed because of the pandemic and unfortunately had to cancel. We couldn't uh, find a date at that time. And now, uh, happy to announce they're coming back. Uh, you know, it was really exciting, the ticket sales and uh, attendance from last time. So we're hoping to have a great crowd for them again in Winnipeg. Ruben Romolero, Director of Live Entertainment, True North Sports and Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the time. Yeah, concert. I, 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 I salute concert fans because I know people who go to like a concert every two weeks, three weeks. They're like before the pandemic, and now that it's back, they're they're doing it again. Uh, you got to be dedicated to that because it's not exactly cheap to go to that many concerts. But uh, people who love concerts love. Con- I used to love going to concerts, and I miss it. Well, I was saying I had been reading in the Washington Post the story of people who are going really far, like they're they're paying big money to see the boss twice, or they're going to Europe to see Beyonce because they'd always had a, that's not their only reason. They were always going to go to Europe. They've saved money for it. Then they look and they see, oh, wow, I can go see Beyonce for 110 bucks while in Sweden or whatever, wherever she was playing this week. And so then that draws them in. And so I, I, I don't know if the concert's driving the trip or the trip becomes the excuse because of the concert or it's a bit of both. But if you're already going, you might as well make 
a weekend out of it, which is why those residents make sense. They do make sense for the artists, for, for sure. And uh, to to set up once uh, I used the we were talking in the newsroom this morning when you two last came here and for years, uh, the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, when they were traveling with these gigantic stage shows, they have to have two stages because they're setting up in one location and they sort of leapfrog to the next city because oh. the the the. The construction of the of the stage takes so long. They need two or three days prior to the concert, so they need to have two of these huge stage setups. Whereas, if you go and you say set up in 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 Glendale, Arizona, for a week, then you can then you can take a week off, and then you go to the next city and set up there for five, six, seven days. And it's actually brilliant. And I can tell you that I have planned more than my fair share of getaways around uh, concerts and, and or sporting events. So so the, sometimes that is the driver for sure. Well, he mentioned the competition with the, the dollar being not so great right now and you're trying to bring these acts up and it's cheaper for that artist to stay in a smaller community in Idaho or I can't remember if he said Montana rather than come here. But I think about what the concerts I have been to in Minneapolis, you make a whole weekend out of it. And so it becomes a the, the, the concert brings people in. Oh, but it's if, an economic But if driver. you're like, oh, it's already on a Saturday, they'll do two nights in a hotel. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll do three. We'll also go to this place or we'll do some shopping. And I would think for Americans at least coming here, not the acts, but at least the concert goer, it would make sense to say pick a Winnipeg. If you're in Fargo, come to Winnipeg versus going to Minneapolis because of how their dollar will, be, will stretch farther. It is Mackling McGarry McNabb. Before we give away bomber tickets for Friday's game for... Bombers and Thai Cats, we're asking you about your the most unique place you ever got to enjoy a cold beverage, but I feel like we need to mention this because it looks like we have some uh, some breaking news uh, coming from the world of golf as it P- pertains to a couple of big tours. Yeah, so the PGA Tour and Live Golf have agreed to merge together, and so the idea would be that this would squash pending litigation between the groups. They have an agreement that they've assigned. This is all across the American networks now that would combine the PGA Tour and Live Golf's commercial business. And it also includes DP World Tour, which is the European PGA Tour. So it's just, is it not just bringing the golfers who left back together again, but with a different sort of maybe rules? Plus, you have to remember Live Golf is Saudi-backed. So what does that add to the equation? But is it, it's back to normal, but under a different name? Well, it'll be interesting to see what the details are for sure. The devil always in the details. Mm-hmm. But, Brett, the, one of the bigger differences w- between Live and the PGA are the number of holes that they golf in a tournament. Could, That's right. Do you think we could see a change there with regard to this unification of Live and PGA? Who knows how they're going to deal with all this mess? Because not to mention the fact that all the guys who left to sign with Live. All make, they all got more money in bonuses yep. than most of these guys will make in their career. So how do you now say, like, let's say you, Greg Mackling, you left and signed a $150, $150 million bonus with Liv, and I stayed in PGA because I'm loyal, and then you get to come back. How do I look you in the eye and say, hey, rich guy? I don't know. It's just, it's, just, <laughs> it's going to be a mess to sort out. So we'll have more on this through the day for sure. I think we basically just have time to read our winning text here. The most unique place you've ever had the chance to enjoy a tasty beverage. Oh, and I'll very quickly mention just on the subject of golf, Maureen mentioned Kananaskis golf course in Alberta earlier. And I lamented how I was going to go there. And we've had like a dozen people all point out this course called gray wolf, which is near Panorama, BC. It's a course that's been on my radar for years. Have you played it? No, but okay. I've been there. Okay. I can't afford to play it. I know you've it. been to Panorama. Yeah, I've been there in the summer today. and the winter. And uh, yeah, that's on my list too, Brett. All but. these listeners are trying to weigh in and, and just it's just irking your ire for not having been <laughs> I'm there. Just, I'm, I'm happy for everybody sure. who gets to experience this. Sure. I'm just envious and jealous. And I really need to just get off my butt and take a vacation, a proper one. But what is Elaine G is our winner, Mackling? Many, many moons ago, I worked for Skiing Louise. We would ski the back poles and out of bounds trails. One day, I had the opportunity to join the Avalanche Patrol. We went to places I'd never been. That's neat. Once, uh, one day, once the day was done, pardon me, we were high up on Mount Temple and work was done. The patrol whipped out some amazing tequila, Cabo Wabo by the chance, Elaine. <laughs> and we had a shot, maybe a few, while looking over the entire valley. It was an amazing sight. No words can describe. Just a note, when you're at that high, up the altitude, you get very buzzed very quickly. It was a wobbly pop hike down the mountain. 
You're familiar with this region, right? Oh, Paradise Bowl is where my friends dropped me off the first time at Lake Louise. It's this gigantic mogul field, and it was my first time in the mountains, and you take this plunger to get to the top, then you go over the backside, and I'll never forget my friend Al, my brother Kevin, sort of pushing me and my buddy John in the direction, go, have fun, boys. Look at images of it. If you've been on it, it's like you're skiing the bubble wrap. It's unreal. I like it. Like... (laughs) I could do it probably, you know, in 15 minutes now or, you know, at some point. It took like two hours back then. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we are going to hear from Hal Anderson to find out what is coming up on Connecting Winnipeg just after Global News at 10. But right now we want to talk about the success and popularity of football in Manitoba. It is not limited to what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done on the field and at the box office. Yeah, so Greg put together this wonderful piece about the fact that football at the amateur level just might be as popular now as it's ever been. Canada's national winter sport is, of course, hockey. The game of hockey and its different forms are played in arenas, on outdoor rinks, on ponds, parking lots, and on front streets all across our country. But it's not the only game Canadians and Americans love to play here, there, and everywhere. Flag football is actually the uh, the fastest growing recreational sport in North America right now. And the uh, Football Manitoba Flag League has over 160 teams. So that's uh, a lot of kids playing. We have nearly 2,000 kids playing in our flag league. So that league has really exploded over the last uh, five to six years. That's the voice of Coach Jonathan Franklin. Last year, Franklin's Manitoba U18 team also won nationals. His path to coaching flag football isn't a straight line by any means. Originally, I played tackle football for the uh, Nomads and Maples Marauders uh, football teams. I suffered a a pretty bad injury in my high school year, which kind of ended my tackle career, but still um, wanted to play football, loved the game. And then about 30 years ago, I was introduced to touch football. Ever since that time, I've been playing. So I'm probably a 30-year veteran of touch football. And I've been coaching with uh, Football Manitoba since 2016. They tapped me to coach the U20 national team. And we went out and we won gold of that year and I've been helping out with coaching uh, ever since. Now if you're thinking Manitoba and Manitobans seem to be pretty good at this flag football thing, you'd be correct. Since the time that I've been coaching, we won multiple gold medals. We had a couple of bronze medals. Uh, the girls' teams have actually won a couple of bronze medals as well. So uh, Manitoba does very, very well in, in flag. And, and I think uh, uh, part of that is obviously we have a very large uh, kids program and, you know, have them playing from very early ages. I wish they had something like that when I was a kid. But uh, we have kids, you know, as young as eight years old starting in the flag program. And by the time they get to 16, 17 years old, they are, they are so skilled. It's unbelievable how good these kids are at those young ages. Now, I had an important question for Franklin before we shift gears here. Or... Did you count Mississippi? It would have been steamboats back in the day for me, for sure, yeah. But now they just have a a direct uh, path to the quarterback, so quarterbacks got to think on their feet because right now quarterbacks, we, we average it out to probably have about three seconds to be able to read a defense figure out where they want to throw the ball and get the ball there. So quarterbacks have to be very quick. The game of football is growing in other ways. Lisa Cummings has been involved with boys and girls football for 15 years. I started back uh, playing for the Manitoba Fearless back in 2008 in our inaugural season. Then about three, four years later, me and Tannis Wilson decided that it was time to start a girls program. So we brought in the first ever girls program across Canada for youth from the ages seven and up at the time. Played, then moved over to GM for the Manitoba Fearless. And through those years as well, I coached boys uh, in the MMFA. I coached girls in the MGFA. Went on to coach at high school for JV. And then uh, now currently I've kind of taken a little bit of a step back from GMing in the day-to-day. My children have grown and are flying from the nest. So uh, I've now taken more of a board role. So I'm moved on to the WWCFL where I am the registrar, as well as the board for Football Manitoba. Uh, And I'm still doing some day-to-day with the U18 girls uh, tackle team that's heading to the national championship. 
in Manitoba, girls have been playing football with boys for years and now have the option to play with just girls or play with the boys or both. For Cummings, that wasn't an option. My parents wouldn't allow me to play. So when there was a women's option, it was, yes, no-brainer. Even over the age of 30, I decided to jump and play. And we've always thought there should be four young girls. And it started off with just more friendly competition with three teams and slowly grew and slowly grew. Then we took a bunch of girls down to North Carolina to showcase in front of the American All-Star Games that were happening. There's teams all over the U.S., way more than in Canada. But they still also didn't have a youth program. So the women there saw, wow. There's actually little girls can play this game too, not just as grown women. And that's where everything started to really expand for girls football. I mean, they were showcased on uh, NFL and the Super Bowl commercials. Let's go down to Aaron Andrews with the MVP of the Flag Football World Games. Kevin, thanks so much. I am here with world champion Deanna Flores. And Deanna, you are so elusive. Is there anybody that can pull your flags? Well, I'm sure someone can. They're right here. What? I get excited every time we see a little girl playing against my son back in, you know, earlier two, 2000s, right? And now to see that nobody in, in Manitoba seems to even bat an eye when they see a girl on the field. Like, you see a girl and you go, oh, look, that's probably a girl. Nobody questions it, nobody thinks it's odd or weird. And it's just, it was the last sport that was really male dominated. Still in some places it is, but in Manitoba, girls are accepted everywhere. I wanted to know what impact Franklin thought the success of the Blue Bombers with numerous Manitoba born and raised players on their roster has done to increase the popularity of the game of football in our province. Our flag football leagues in the fall and winter are branded as the, you know, the Bomber Futures League. The kids love just putting on the, the blue and gold jerseys that they receive as part of the of the playing in the league. Um, I see kids at the Bomber games wearing those jerseys. So I, I think the number of players from Manitoba that are on the Bombers, it's that idolization from very young saying, hey, I want to be like these people. I want to play football. So I, I think the, the Bombers have had a really big impact on um, you know what we're doing in the Flag Leagues. Last word, at least for now, to Lisa Cummings. The best sport. There's a place for everybody. Not every sport has a place for a 300-pounder. Football has it. Not every sport has a place for a 100-pounder, right? So inclusive, right? Everybody can play this game, and I just think more people should do it. So to get some country music in there somehow. It's the only song I could find that sang about counting Mississippis. So we asked the question earlier when you played back in the day, was it Steamboats or Mississippis? Jonathan Franklin said Steamboats. I think it was Mississippis for the most part when I was a kid. And then uh, Shane on the on the text line said that he used to count bananas yeah. when they were playing street football. So we have to throw bananas into the mix here. I've never heard that. No, I'd never heard it either. And apparently it took place on my front street because Shane used to play street fall with my with my little brother. But so. not the same really? time. Yeah. Banana makes sense, though, in, compared to Steamboat. Steamboat in Mississippi... Steamboat is quicker to say, isn't it? If it's a measurement of time that's supposed to approximate a second. Right. Banana, Mississippi, steamboat. But you used to, one steamboat, two steamboat, three steamboat, four steamboat. Like, it's like, I can't hear you. You're not saying it clearly enough. Mississippi is four syllables. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. I think it's a pretty clear representation. I just was staring at the clock there, sort of quietly muttering to myself, one Mississippi, two, two Mississippi, Mississippi, three <laughs> Mississippi. Mississippi boat, seems to be the most accurate. Boat. Pretty close, yeah. right? Yeah. One banana, two banana. Yeah, you have to really have to drag out you the banana. You have to drag out banana, for yeah, sure. One banana, two banana. Anyway. That's still neat, though. It's just like the Halloween apples. <laughs> Is it a regionalism? Is it not? Let us know at 204-780-6868. Great piece, by the way, Greg, on on uh, flag football. And it's cool to see that that's uh, gaining popularity because, yeah, the idea that, that uh, these young people can get out and play and not worry about the threat of injury or at least not as bad. I mean, who's this? Nothing going to stop you from twisting your ankle or whatever. It happens to us all. But at least right. in terms of the contact, uh, that's terrific. Yeah, and the, and the women's game as well, the way it's grown in our province and how Manitoba's 
sort of led the way in our country with regard to making women's and girls football accessible, I think is something we should be awfully proud of. I think the the clip in there too of her saying she wasn't allowed to play until there was the girls team. That's pretty, for people my age, when it comes to sports, so you could maybe dabble on the male team, but it was really rare. And then when they started introducing the female teams, you got to do things that you weren't able otherwise to do. As an aside, if you Google Steamboat versus Mississippi, you just get a webpage on Steamboats of the Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go right to Memphis. I, I, I Googled I mean, it every which way. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, speaking of football, earlier we got to try the Yard Dog from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's a new offering on this Friday at the season opener. Bombers and Tie Cats. The Yard Dog, we've put up videos of this on our 680 CJOB Instagram. It's a 32-inch hot dog topped with pierogi bites, sour cream, green onions, and bacon bits. You can find it at Section 125 for $45, which might seem like a lot, but it fed each of those fed six or seven people here with, with ease. And the box is 36 inches long, which means there's room for French fries at either end. And the <laughs> fries were good, the too. They were great. great. A garnish of French fries. Got to yeah. dig that. Yeah. And if you want, you can just pile them on top of the hot dog. It's Mackling McGarry McNabb. Mackling had to step aside. He's got off to an appointment, a recording appointment. But in the meantime, let's say hello to the host of Connecting Winnipeg, Hal Anderson. Hi, Hal. Good morning. You guys have been talking about the fact that the 7-Eleven uh, at Ness and Sturgeon wants a dining room liquor license. What's really going on here? I've got a theory. We'll talk about it at the start of the show with Sean Jeffrey from the Manitoba Restaurant Association. We're also on the show today going to talk about um, this new trend in workplaces, stay interviews. This is a, an interview that your employer has with you to try and get you to stay that's how desperate it is out there uh to keep a good workers the heat warning continues as you were just mentioning brett and so we'll talk about keeping cool in this heat yet again today it looks like it's the summer of concerts and concert travel and so musicologist eric alper will join me we'll start our two of the show with him right after the news at 11 o'clock we're going to talk to a musician a poet and a new u of m grad Terrell Bird will graduate today, first in his family, and he is graduating after overcoming a lot of mental health challenges. I'm looking forward to chatting with him at 11.30. All that and much more. Winning to Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs on the show today. All coming up after the news at 10 o'clock here on Connecting Winnipeg. Hal, how'd you like to uh, try a 32-inch hot dog? <laughs> I have been listening with interest this morning. So can I go to bluebombers.com and see this thing? You can go to our Instagram to take a peek. I just posted a video like 10 minutes ago of this thing. Yeah, Greg came in holding three boxes. Like I thought he was carrying some sort of... I don't know, gym equipment or, <laughs> or like office roses. supplies. You know, when someone yeah. get like a box yeah. of roses delivered, right. that's what it came in. I have to say, I'm glad I didn't see this yard long hot dog naked. Oh, that came out wrong. But like without the bun around it. <laughs> Sorry, I just mean like as in the, like, you know, as it came out of the package. <laughs> no, time is up, Lauren. Sorry, we gotta go. Like forever. Time is probably up forever though. <laughs> oh, she's turned beet red. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 we'll point out it's it, the amount of people who uh, one of those hot dogs fed was pretty remarkable. So, good. and it was really good. Al, it was a good, tasty dog. I'm probably gonna stop God, talking I'm about to hot think dogs. Of a line that I can use I on the radio, but I can't think of it. All sounds dirty. Holy! All I heard was naked and yard-long hot dog. That's all I heard. Okay. Forget stay interviews. I gotta go interview coming up. Lorenzo's gonna be booking her exit interview. Nine fifty-five. That's all the time we've got on the start. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to Fortier and Master Control. Great job as always, sir.